0: Holy smokes, what time does the 9 o'clock segment start? <laughs> a little late coming to the party here, 9.04. Usually we're right on time, Duke. That's my fault, 100%. I well, guess.
1: I, I'm never going to be one to cut Did you off when a, you're in the middle of um, a no. good guest like Kristen. I mean, I think maybe the break you, you, you was a little longer. You could, and, well, yeah, so commercials are good. It gives me more time oh, to do yeah. all the things that uh, I'm supposed to be doing throughout the morning. <laughs>
0: But you got Donovan in the intern here now.
1: It's still only his third day, Kev. We kind eh, of throw him to the wall. Get him in here. there, man. We're, we're you know. integrating him in. Nice. That's what this is. It says work integrated learning <laughs> I'll be portion all- of his education. I
0: remember the very first show we did, Duke, and of course, you know, we were uh, well, it was new. But I was looking at you and you're looking at that board and we we're going, Oh man, what are we doing here? Kind of because it was, you know, it was brand new.
1: Yes, there, there was a few um, well, technical things to, to work, because yes. to be honest, there were some things we didn't even technically know how it would go because of the switch over from the uh, other programming to us being live. Like the board exactly. doesn't go live until exactly seven o'clock and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that first day, engineers were in here with us. We're like, well, we sure hope this works. and <laughs> Turn the mics on <laughs> and work they did all the same.
0: Well, so. we've come a long way, Duke, in Saul 87. Hey, it's uh, Wednesday. That means uh, David Schlemko's in studio uh, as our Wednesday co-host from 9 to 11. David Schlemko, of course, powered by Cougar Paint and Collision, our family helping your family for over 40 years. Check out CougarCollision.com. Morning, Schlemmer.
2: Good morning, Kev. How are uh, we
0: doing? Uh, ah, outstanding. Uh, did you have a chance to watch the Oilers Hawks last night? I did. A uh, bit of a snooze fest, eh? <laughs> the Nyquil game, eh? It's the old Nyquil game. Yeah,
2: I think uh, classic trap game is what I would yeah. call it, right? Here. When you when you look
0: at that roster, you're going in and you see the whiteboard, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, if <laughs> if I'm looking at the board, I see a glorified American Hockey League team, right? They got, I think they had three guys. They said they were in their mm-hmm. first or second game. Bedard's out of the lineup right it's it's a tough one to get up for especially when you're on a seven game heater so mm-hmm. I mean you give them credit they got the two points not not the way they want to play obviously uh, hopefully the bus driver didn't forget to pack the two points because I'm sure they were getting the <laughs> hell out of there pretty quick after that it's uh, like a bella clava effort.
0: win right <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> you wear your bella clava after that So here's another one. So, and you've probably used this phrase and we had, we touched on it off the top and then and Chris Knobloch, we played his clips. So it's the terminology that all players or coaches use. And and maybe you heard it on the way in about if you don't have a great performance, but you win, they call it, well, it wasn't a Picasso. They always say that. Oh,
2: I love that terminology. You love it. Okay. Yeah. Ray, actually our guest last week we had on here, Ray Whitney. Gave me that, the one game. Uh, I probably had my worst game <laughs> of my career in Toronto, my first ever game in Toronto. I remember I got danced by Phil Kessel like three times. <laughs> and I went from the first pair to the third pair in that game, but... Uh, I remember sitting on the bus after, probably on Sui Watch, and uh, (laughs) probably, what, 38, 39-year-old Ray Whitney comes up to the front of the bus and just hands me a beer and goes, they can't all be Picassos, bud.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, again, this is a phrase and a terminology that players and coaches have used for years. But what we're saying, and the Duke and I brought up several artists, like how come no one says it can't, you know, they can't all be Rembrandts. They can't all be... You know, one texter just said a dolly, like Salvador Dali. Uh, I don't
2: know. Maybe it just doesn't roll off the tongue quite as nice.
0: Yeah. I would love (laughs) to see the next. And we said it would be nice to talk to Chris Knobloch and say, the next time you guys have, you know, a, a game where you win and you maybe shouldn't have, can you mention another artist? (laughs) Just to give another artist some, just some props, some credit.
2: I like, uh, I listened to Knobloch's interview coming in here, driving Mm -hmm. in this morning, though. I liked some of his points, um, especially giving credit to the Hawks, because they played hard. They did. I mean, especially having all those young guys in their first or second game. I don't know if you've ever been to a game in Chicago, but Mm -hmm. that, the anthem and when they're cheering and you know it was full in there. It's not usually full this year, probably to watch McDavid and Drysaitel, mm-hmm. but that that gets the hair on the back of your neck standing up. Like I guarantee you, those kids were raring to go, and and they did a good job. They played hard, they defended well. Um, they were always inside D side, and you know for most of the night, I thought besides the McDavid line. So Oilers were happy to just play that perimeter game. And yeah, <laughs> just hang on to the puck.
0: And you saw the, the one instance that I I thought about this the most. Is the Hawks really clogged up the neutral zone. That was their their plan all along. Yeah. About four, about five minutes left in the game. Darnell Nurse had the puck behind the net. I don't know if you remember this one. So he had the puck behind the net, and still even down two on the Hawks aren't pressing. So we've talked about this a long time. Uh, why not flush anyone out? All right. So anyway. Darnell Nurse comes out, and he tries to make a long 100-foot pass. I am assuming it would be just a pass that is chipped in yeah. uh, to get past the defense.
2: Tipped to speed.
0: Right. Yeah. So having said that, Darnell Nurse could have, he, he came out behind the net and came out in the slot and tried that pass. He could have easily just went back behind the net again because the play wasn't there. He forced it, and I think the Hawks forced the Oilers into making a lot of plays they didn't want to make.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with that, especially in the neutral zone. They did do a good job of clogging it up. Uh, Coming out of the D zone, I'm getting really sick of watching the Oilers defenseman rim pucks, Mm -hmm. honestly. I mean, every time they talk to Paul Coffey or they talk to the D, they're talking about, oh, he wants us to make plays. He wants us to make plays. I'm watching the first period, and there's no plays being made. Mm -hmm. So I started keeping my own little stats for the first period of how many tape-to-tape breakout passes the Oilers defenseman made and there were two Yeah, Darnell Darnell especially loves to rim the puck and it's just it's a nightmare for a winger I think they'd be coming out of their zone with so much more speed so many more chances off the rush and they're a great rush team already if they can just come out of their end a little bit cleaner
0: cleaner. Having said that, and we, and we really, you know, we should have been talking about this earlier in the show, failed to, and that's my fault. The pass that Matthias Eckholm made to McDavid, just fabulous. Uh, that's, a, that's about an 80-foot pass. And McDavid, to take it on his backhand with some heat on it. Yeah, it was you know,
2: heavy. And stride, in too. And
0: stride. And onside. Yeah. Probably had to just delay a tiny bit to make sure that he was onside. That was a great pass. A hell of a move, too. Mm-hmm. Well, Marazik's going on. Oh, no. What? what? <laughs> like he's what's going to happen now? He's just thinking like that. Oh, uh,
2: he's the one guy that you watch on a breakaway, and you almost have to watch it in mm-hmm. a slow motion on the replay to see what he does. His hands are so quick.
0: You did mention, uh, and we got a text in from. Uh, E. L. Nate. Again, I always want to say E. I. Nate. Employment Insurance. Nate. Uh, Chicago is actually third in the league in attendance uh, this year. Believe it or not, uh, he's going to be down there in February. He says tickets are pricey. But when you were talking about the anthem, I follow, you know have seen lots of games in Chicago. Been in Chicago for a lot of Oilers games. I thought that anthem last night was probably one of the lowest uh, as far as decibel goes and fans getting it.
2: I thought that too. It I did, noticed yeah, yeah. they weren't all clapping when yeah. they were, when they were showing it. Yeah. yeah.
0: Because uh, I was weird. sitting with uh, the great Laura Baker, and she's like, she didn't like old corny Cornelius, the uh, guy, Cornelson, doing the anthem. She goes, I don't like this guy. And I go, Well, he's pretty popular uh, in Chicago. He's a legend. And <laughs> normally, when the anthem gets going, the people are going pretty pretty oh, yeah. bizarre. world.
2: By the end of it, it's usually really loud. But it was, and, I'm surprised they're third in attendance, so It's a big building, maybe, And Bedard. Maybe it looks a little bit yeah. emptier sometimes.
0: And Connor Bedard, he's going to be out six to eight weeks. And uh, that's going to hurt. Our, our Connor Halley says, so who's going to go to the All Star game for Chicago now?
2: You know, what I really <laughs> like is that Vlasic D. He's uh, a really good yes. young D man.
0: You know, it's funny. Again, we we talked to Troy Murray yesterday. He was on the show again with Grant Fuhrer. Troy Murray, the last time the Hawks were here, he said, and Troy Murray's the Chicago Blackhawks radio analyst, keep an eye on Vlasic. And when the Hawks were here, I felt he was the best defenseman on the ice. Ian Edmonton, I thought his play wasn't as good last night.
2: Uh, I thought he was still really good in the first last night. Yeah. Made some good plays. Yeah, really really good, the young player. I knew uh, I really liked Korchinski. I knew him mm-hmm. from Seattle, watching him in the dub. He's really got a really good offensive upside, but that classic for a rookie, a really good two-way defenseman.
0: And you have to give Korchinski a lot of credit. His dad just passed away, so he took some time away from the team for – whatever, a week, 10 days, whatever it was. I didn't and, know that. Yeah, and uh, as a 19-year-old playing in the NHL, your first year, you know, you're in Chicago. You, you had a, you know, a very successful Western League career. Would have played on Team Canada for the World Juniors yep. had he not been in Chicago. Then your dad passes away, and, and you think, you know, you're only 19. You think about the support and everything, and holy smokes. And and Troy Murray was talking about that, too, on that's a tough thing for a young guy to go through.
2: Oh, my God, yeah. I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: 920, we've got the Golden Bears men's hockey general manager, Stan Marple. Have you been able to get to any Bears games recently? Yeah.
2: I haven't been to a Bears game in years, honestly. Oh,
0: I went on Friday. I, a, I, I, I was talking about this earlier, slimmer. On Friday, the Bears played Trinity Western. Now, this is a school that really... They're in Canada West, but they're they're the lower echelon of. The, they, <laughs> I was they, they, saying, yeah. Where is that? <laughs> and, well, it's kind of by Vancouver. Okay. So, um, but two wins on the year. They came out and played the Bears so hard last Friday. It was just so. It reminded me of last night's oh, nice. Chicago <laughs> Oilers game. A trap game. Trap. Yeah. And the Bears. They were down one nothing. Uh, they had a Trinity Western had a guy come into the penalty box. Turned into a two on zero. And almost scored. If they score, that's two nothing. Who knows what happens? But you know, they just chipped away. The Bears chipped away. But Trinity Western played them just like Chicago played uh, the Orders last night. That's coming up at uh, uh, right after the break. Uh, looking forward to Steve Tasker and Steve Tasker with the Buffalo Bills for so many years. He will uh, guest with us at uh, 10 o'clock. Plus, we'll have our game of the day for uh, St. Albert Dodge in the 10 o'clock hour as well. When we come back, it's Carius, It's Schlemko. It will be Stan Marple of the Alberta Golden Bears men's hockey team on the Kevin Carrier Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program, 9.20 in Edmonton, chilly day, chilly week coming up, minus 23 when we woke up this morning, it's going to stay about minus 23 for the rest of the day, minus 29 for a low tonight. Uh, let's welcome in uh, Stan Marple, Alberta Golden Bears, men's hockey general and manager to the program. Stan, you're with Kevin Carius and uh, our co-host on Wednesdays, former NHLer David Schlemko. Morning, and uh, thanks for hopping on here.
3: Yeah, no problem.
0: So, Stan, uh, you know, I was at the game on Friday against uh, Trinity Western and I was liking likening it to what happened last night with the Oilers, where a team comes in to your building and you know, maybe not that well known, but you, they gave you guys a good run on Friday night and it was similar to a Blackhawks team uh, last night with the Oilers. So, just uh, your thoughts on how the season has uh, been going for uh, the Golden Bears right now. You're sitting at uh, 14-4-2 in Canada West, uh, third place. Uh, how would you assess uh, how the Bears are uh, heading into the second half here
3: we'll have a much better idea after this weekend as mm-hmm. we play the university of calgary twice in first place <laughs> yeah but uh you know that this is a big weekend for us coming up but i think we're we're kind of where we want to be um there's a little more parody in the league these uh these days which i think is a good thing uh some other programs are doing a really good job of recruiting and putting together a great product on the ice so um yeah nothing's uh, we can't take anything for granted but um when we uh when we play our A game and uh, uh we're up to the challenge I think uh, we have the, the skill uh, to compete with anybody in our league that's for sure.
0: Stan you also made a couple of roster additions uh, over the break uh, who are you able to bring in here to bolster the roster for the second half?
3: Well uh uh Aiden Della I, I always massacre his last name. I'm sorry about that, Aiden, if you're listening. But uh, Della's <laughs> on track for us. Uh, he comes to us from playing in the East Coast League, and before that he spent his entire WHL career with the uh, Saskatoon Blades where he was captain his 19- and 20-year-old year and assistant captain in his 18-year-old year. So he's a real leader, uh, maybe one of those guys that uh, slipped under the radar through the cracks a little bit. But um uh, He's uh, excited to develop his hockey career with us and and to also uh, you know pursue his academic career at the U of A. So um, really happy to have Aiden on board and he's going to be able to help us out in all situations. And then Connor McLennan uh, has joined us after Christmas as well. he was um, on a two-year deal actually in the American Hockey League with the Chicago Wolves, who are independent. But uh, they maybe didn't get off to the best start themselves, and so as a result, maybe he didn't get the opportunity he really should have gotten there, in my opinion, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, he's looking to uh, keep developing as a player and take another shot at pro in a year, in a few years here, and and get a degree in the process, so we're really happy Connor is on board with us. He's a pretty uh, gifted goal scorer, um, had 47 goals and 47 assists last year uh, with uh, the Winnipeg Ice, so um he's uh and you know, was plus fifty one, so uh not a real big guy. Um former draft pick of, uh, of the Philadelphia Flyers, but uh he'll he'll help us out a lot this second half. Hmm.
2: Cool. Hey Steve, uh, Dave Schlemko here. Uh interesting you're talking about these pro players coming back. Uh that's one question I had for you is uh maybe just looking at guys like joel ward and Derek ryan just a couple examples of guys who had really good uh youth sports careers and then moved on to the pro level is that something you're seeing a lot more of now though is guys going and trying out the pro side and then coming back and getting an education or how does that look for kind of both sides of that
3: well it's it's kind of been something that's happened over the years like this isn't the first time we've had guys come back from pro at christmas i mean uh, uh, Jason Fram, who was a uh, a really good defenseman and helped us win a championship in 2018, uh, you know he spent half a year uh, uh, between the Barracuda and, and the East Coast League there, and then and then came, came as a free agent and then came to us at Christmas. Um, he went on to uh, to play in the KHL, um, you know, so he was a pretty exceptional player and you uh, uh, other guys have done it as well. Brett Ferguson is still playing pro hockey in <laughs> in England. He's the captain of the Guilford Flames, and he came to us at Christmas and he's had a really good pro career since he left. Uh, you know, there's 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 lots of guys that have done that over the years. And uh, I just think sometimes, you know, it's not always uh, a sprint. Sometimes it's a marathon. Uh, sometimes guys t- need a little extra time to get a little stronger, Um you know, and, and get a little quicker so that you can play the game at a higher level. And sometimes that's tough to do going right out of junior to pro because you just don't get that time to make those gains uh, physically sometimes, especially if you've been with the team in the dub that's had a good playoff run for. You know, maybe you're 18, 19, 20-year-old year. Old now you got to go pro. Now you're in the coast. Now you're playing 70-some games a year. You're busing everywhere. It's hard to make those straight things mm-hmm. you need to maybe get to a higher level.
0: Right, hey, hey, Stan, when did things change where, you know, you used to have to, when you came back and brought a guy from pro, there was time he would have to sit out and take some time off or things like that. When did that change, and how did, how do the rules work now, just to kind of clarify that?
3: Well, the rules have been the same. Basically, how it works is that you know if when a player graduates from junior, so his 21, 20, 20 year old year, you know um, if he um, he's he's allowed by youth sport rules, and this has always been the case, mm. they can go and try pro for 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 uh, the first half of the season. If um, either Aiden or Connor would have played uh, pro after January first this year. Then they would have had to sit out a full calendar year before they would have been eligible to play new sports.
2: Okay, and so do they lose their scholarship as well from the Western League if they play more than half a year?
3: It depends on the school on the on the organization. Okay. Uh, I have to say, my experience with the Western Hockey League has been very good, and in a lot of instances, the WHL will allow them to. Um, to still activate and use the WHL scholarship, even if they've been gone for for more than a pro a year at pro, so I don't. Oh, know if they redshirt. red shirt, so uh, we've had guys uh, like Graham Craig, our alumni president. He mm-hmm. uh, he played a full year with um, in the East Coast League in the American Hockey League after junior, um, and then um, you know red a year, and then he played for us. Same with Matt Fontaine, who's playing in Switzerland right now. Uh, Matt was our captain last year and uh, he played a full year for the Barracuda, San Jose's for team in the American mm-hmm. League, and then redshirted a year. Poor guy. Poor Matt. Mm-hmm. He, he redshirted a year after he played for the Barracuda. Then there was the COVID year where we didn't play, so he had to be oh, two years off. That's <laughs> tough. Yeah. But uh, good persistence by Matt. Uh, he ended up uh, um, you know, getting his degree as well, and, and now he's got a great career in Switzerland.
0: Stan Marpole, GM of the Alberta, Alberta Golden Bears hockey team, is our guest on Sports 1440. Kevin Karras and uh, David Schlemko. Stan, you know, besides recruiting players as part of your job, you know, one of the main aspects, maybe the biggest aspect, is trying to keep the, the hockey program afloat because it's so hard to you know in today's financial uh it's a tough situation in in the sense of uh, you know where the money comes from and try to keep you know the school happy and the big wigs happy so how are you able to keep everything going in that sense with all the things you do off the ice to make sure everything is running smoothly
3: well one thing that the university has certainly uh, been very good about is uh allowing um allowing me to use the money that we generate through sponsorship to help uh, offset our operating costs. So that that's one aspect. So that's something that we work very hard at. And uh, we've been very, very fortunate to have ATB as our main sponsor mm-hmm. for the last 10 years, I believe. Uh, John Windwick and Chris Noble have been really good and supportive. And we try to make sure we reciprocate and give them good value for their money. Um, we also have, you know, some, some of our alumni does a great job. They they run a casino every 18 months. And um, a big thank you and shout out to Al Prokop out at uh, Blackhawk for allowing us to use his awesome golf course to raise funds uh, in the summertime through our golf tournament. So that's another big fundraiser we do. Um, you know, we have 50-50s at the game, which help out a little bit and help pay for tutors for the guys through our alumni Um and, and then we um, also have donors, so we have a few um, special alumni that have done pretty well for themselves, uh, you know, in the business world and, and, and like to give a little bit back to us. So, um, you know, we also we run a hockey school at the River Cree We're doing three weeks this year out at the River Creek, so uh, Coach Herbers uh, does a great job of leading uh, our assistant coaches and some of our players who who uh, really enjoy giving some quality instructions to the kids during the summertime. So we got three weeks of that going on. And uh, yeah, so between all those different kind of revenue streams uh, and obviously the support we get from the university, which we really appreciate, um, it allows us to, uh, to be competitive and to try to go out there and uh, put together a team that's in the top 10 in Canada mm-hmm. each year.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it sounds like you guys have done a good job of that. The Bears have had a, a strong hockey program for a number of years. Um sounds like you guys do an awesome job of fundraising, but uh, what else gives the Bears maybe a leg up in their recruiting process?
3: Well, we've been around for 100 years, and any time you can tell a recruit that we've got 54 Canada West Championships and, uh, and um, you know, 17 national championships, I mean, that kind of perks your attention uh, I've been fortunate to be around uh, for 11 Canada West Championships as either a player, or an assistant coach, or GM, and five national championships myself. So I kind of, you know, we've kind of taken that winning formula that was, uh, you know, ironed down there by Coach Drake and Coach Moores, and uh, Coach Herbers and I just <laughs> try mm-hmm. to plagiarize uh, what they've done the best we can. <laughs> uh, you know, some pretty good some pretty good hockey people there that we've we learned from and, and try to follow, uh, you know, their way and how we treat people and how we uh, we present the organization to our players.
2: Is that like a certain like kind of like a culture piece that's really important to you guys?
3: I think so. I think uh, culture is everything. Um, I think we, uh, we really work hard at uh, making sure whatever we tell the players uh, we follow through on, I think it's uh, extremely important that, There's trust between the coaching staff and and management and the university. You know, these guys are making some big decisions uh, about their lives and about their careers, and we just want to make sure that when they come here that uh, whatever we tell them we're going to do that uh, we we follow through on, and then it's their job to put in the work in the gym and in the classroom and on the ice to make sure they get to where they want to be.
0: Hey Stan what about I mean I I'm at the game on Friday and I sit with Bill Moore's and uh Bob Steadward for the first period and then go down behind the glass uh, where you kind of sit for the second. And then in the second intermission, Chris Knobloch slides over. He's watching the game up in the stands. He slides over, talks to Billy Moores uh, in the second period intermission. You see the all the kids go around. And then Derek Ryan. I mean, to have Chris Knobloch, Derek Ryan, uh, so prominent with the Oilers, you got to be pretty proud of this, uh, uh, you know, of the school and of all these guys that have passed through and now two key cogs in the Oilers' wheel.
3: Yeah, I mean Chris has had a, has done a great job with his career as a coach and he, you know, I mean he's he's probably more of a bear than Ian and I were. He played 5 years for the for the team and you know won a championship during that time like we did as well. So that teaches you a lot and um, he's doing a, just an unbelievably great job with the Oilers. We're so proud of him. And, you know, I was able to coach Derek Ryan for two years. Uh, I was an assistant coach his rookie year with the Bears, and then I was also an assistant coach his last year with the Bears. And, uh, um, you know, his rookie year in 2007, 2008, we won nationals, and he was a big part of that as a first-year player for us and helped him, uh, you know, get his first job in uh, in Europe uh, through Ross Lambert, his agent, and uh uh, one of our old alumni, Kevin Primo, was coaching in the mm. Austrian League and uh, gave him his first pro opportunity. So, um, you know, all these interconnected uh, alumni, you know, in the tradition of, of success that we have, um, it's not down to, you know, one or two people. It's down to a whole group of great guys that uh, had a common theme of putting the team first. And mm-hmm. I think uh, that's a big reason why we have the success we have.
0: Hey Stan, thanks for this. So Friday in Calgary, then Saturday back home against the Dinos. Uh, that should be two great games coming up this weekend.
3: Yeah, it's going to be a great weekend. There's, there's a lot on the line, and you know we like to host playoff games at the Drake as much <laughs> as we can. So the, the boys know that. So there's a lot. There's going to be going to be two great games this weekend.
0: Appreciate you coming on, Stan. Uh, good luck this weekend and the rest of the season. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Kip. That's a Stan Marple, GM of the Golden Bears hockey team. And February 1, 2, 3, and somewhere where it is. The Duke and I are going to be going to the game. Schlemmer, you're going to be coming to the game. It's a Friday, Saturday. We'll have the pick of it. I believe UBC is here. It's All-Star weekend in the NHL. So you've got the oper- – UBC's got a great team. Uh, unfortunately, I can't go Saturday, which would be a good – and the atmosphere in there is, I mean – the rink, you're right on top of everyone. You, yeah, old
2: school barn. You
0: see, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, now they have the scoreboard in there too. You can see replays and things like that. It's at, at the far end, but just the the atmosphere. The Duke has been to many games and it's been a, been a big part of the uh, beer snake
1: pyramid. How many? How many were you? Uh, that wasn't a thing when I went there. Really? That that started kind of at the end of my uh, time at the U of A, and even when I was still living in the area, and like went to games more sparingly. It had started, but by that point, I wasn't going to the games to get uh, get crooked. I, I oh, come like, on, Duke. My 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 first that's so three, My first three four years going to the game. Oh yeah, like I was uh, as many as they would sell me. That's how many I was drinking. But that was kind of before the beer pyramid thing was really a a, a staple yeah. at the Drake. You lie to your friends,
0: Duke, I'll <laughs> lie to mine, but let's not BS each other. Uh, when we come back, it's going to be, are you in or are you out? But uh, heading to break, uh, the Duke will take us to break with the ski report. Uh, here's Brandon Douglas
1: the Sports 1440 Ski Report. Your ski report for Wednesday, January 10th, brought to you by Snow Valley Ski Club. Start your skiing journey at snowvalley.ca Skiing and snowboarding conditions are dominated by the weather as much as the snow right now as a deep freeze taking over Alberta and BC, but there's finally been some long-awaited snow in the last few days which will improve conditions to some of the best we've seen so far this season. At Marmot Basin in Jasper, they've had 3 centimeters overnight and 20 in the last 6 days. Still not quite enough to get the new Knob or Eagle East areas open. Jasper's forecasted high today is minus 25 in the Alpine and minus 18 in the Valley. 17 centimeters overnight at Sunshine Village in Banff, 9 at Lake Louise and 8 at Norquay. Temperatures expected to be minus 10 at Louise today and minus 15 for Sunshine and Norquay. Nikiska, 5 centimeters in the last day expecting a high of minus 15. Castle Mountain finally getting some big snow with 17 centimeters overnight on top of 10 accumulating yesterday. More expected on the way, high of minus 16 today. Over the border, Kicking Horse 5 centimeters fresh overnight and 14 in the last two days, An expected high of minus 7. Fernie has had 14 centimeters in the last day, 40 in the past two days with a high of minus one today, but colder temps moving into tomorrow. Revelstoke has had 13 centimeters in the last day and 39 over the past 48 hours temperatures reaching zero degrees today and locally hills are operating but it may be the last chance to get out for a few days as snow valley sunridge and rabbit hill are expected to close thursday and friday when the real deep freeze sets in edmonton ski club likely to follow suit but contact the hill for the most up-to-date information same goes for all the ski areas over the next few days as the cold weather can force the closure of certain lifts or the entire operation on short notice call before leaving home to avoid disappointment that is your snow valley ski report
0: some sort of scary music, Duke, to get us in to the 9:40 uh, segment. What is this? I don't even have a sniff.
1: Uh, that's Sabbath Black Sabbath. Oh. War, War Pigs. War Pigs. Yeah.
0: Well, I guess I didn't let it go enough, Schlimmer. You it's know got it's one.
1: got a long intro. Sometimes oh. there's like options for ones with like shorter intros. Mm, this any, one not the case because like obviously pretty iconic.
0: Anything with pigs is fine with me. <laughs> Kevin Carey, it's David Schlemko. Uh, just a reminder, of course, that David Schlemko is powered by Cougar Paint and Collision, our family helping your family for over 40 years. Check out CougarCollision.com. Schlemmer, I believe your favorite segment
2: is are, are you in or are you out? Love it. Especially always the last question. Yeah. Like Duke's last question is always amusing to me.
0: He could have this one tomorrow for Laddie too. That would be good because Laddie really hates a lot of the drivers in town. So a little snippet, little harbinger, little teaser for question number five. Yeah. Time now for are you in or are you out?
1: We had some great times. We're about to have some more
3: know that look and put it together a team then i'm in just when i thought i was out they pulled me back in are you in or are you out on sports 1440 i'm out
1: All right, gentlemen, fresh list of uh, questions for you. Fresh off the there's eighth win in a row. And uh, no, it was not pretty. No, it's probably not the way that a lot of fans wanted to see. But uh, despite what fans had to say, uh, in the locker room, the players themselves don't necessarily look at it that way. A win is a win. And in a league like the NHL, you'll take them any way they come.
0: You want to go first on this, Schlemmer?
2: Sure, I'll go first okay. on this one. I am in on this one with an asterisk. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, a win's definitely a win A win's a win's a win Two points is two points The only thing that I'm going to add in there is The asterisk The asterisk If you're trending in the wrong way ah. Then it's it can be a red flag But I thought that Knobloch's interview He touched on it perfectly He said if we were coming into this game Kind of going the wrong way I'd be worried But we've been playing really well And right now this is a one-off So we'll take the win
0: Oh, I'm going to have an asterisk on this one, too. (laughs)
2: Everybody's doing it. Yeah, I
0: know exactly. So I'll go, I mean, on this one just because it's so hard to win at the professional level. And in any level, it's hard to pick up a victory. So there's an old saying, never critique wins. Having said that, every coach critiques a win. Every player, if things don't go well, critiques that win because they know they have to be better and the Oilers know they have to be much, much better tomorrow night in Detroit. And this is a chance to win nine in a row. It's only happened a couple of times in franchise history. So big big deal with the asterisk that you mentioned Schlemmer, but I think it sounds the alarm bell. Yeah. What happened last night. So never critique wins, but be aware of what's been going on here even you can go back to the the Ottawa game so again it's that trend are you happy exactly with where you are probably not so we'll see what happens tomorrow in Detroit
2: probably
1: be some video
0: mm. <laughs> day off today so maybe just video I don't know
1: yeah probably Alrighty, number two, uh, just under two months away from the NHL trade deadline. Lots of banter starting to float about, especially after the uh, Cutter Goche, Jamie Drysdale trade the other day, Trevor Zegers' name now floating about, kind of getting the uh, trade season in motion. And uh, for the Oilers, their brasses shopping list should include, in this order, top to bottom, a third line center, a top four defenseman, and a veteran backup goalie who has starting experience. I kind of like it, Duke, Uh,
0: so I'm going to say I am in on this. A third-line center is almost a must uh, with the way things are going right now if you are going to keep Ryan McLeod second LW. If he stays there, you need someone else on that third line. There isn't enough depth for a long playoff push. There's not enough size right now on the bottom six. You know, there was a guy last night that played for Chicago, uh, Blackwell, was buzzing around pretty well but he's just too small for the Oilers. He's like 5'7", five, 5'8", five, doesn't bring enough size. Uh, I wouldn't say a top-four defenseman is needed because those things don't grow on trees, and I think you're kind of happy with where the, the defense core sits. You can never have enough depth to find a top-four defenseman. Though. You're going to have to give up an awful lot, and then you have to kind of see how things weigh out and play out with the backup goaltender. Stuart Skinner's playing great. If Cal Pickard can continue, again, it gives the Oilers a chance to wait. Uh, gives Ken Holland some time, buys him some time. I can see Cal Pickard playing every Thursday this month. Uh, but I like this, so I'm going to agree in the order of your list. So I'm in on this one. All right, just for fun, uh-huh. I'm going to uh, play devil's advocate here. <laughs>
2: Love it. <laughs> I'm out on this one. Um I think Cal Picard is a veteran backup goalie with starting experience. Um, I I think a defenseman is what they need more than a third-line center right now. I think going deep in the playoffs, I love Evan Bouchard's offensive capability, but I think if they bring in a steady top-four guy, and like you said, they don't grow on trees. I don't know how they're going to do it or what they'd have to give up, but if you could – and I know Bouchard plays well with Ekholm, but – if you're going deep in the playoffs, I just don't trust Evan's <laughs> desperation in the D zone quite enough. So I think if you slide him into the third pair with Kulak, maybe spot DeHarnay in and out, I think that solidifies a lot of things. Third line center, I think we could use one too, but I think a,
0: mm-hmm. a,
2: a good solid D-man is would be my first on my shopping list.
1: All right. Number three, uh, big news out of the NFL yesterday is the Tennessee Titans-fired head coach Mike Vrabel. A lot of um, stuff floating around, of course, tying him to New England. But uh, I'm saying no matter where Mike Vrabel lands, uh, which will be somewhere as a head coach again, uh, next season, whatever team that is, they'll have more wins than the Titans do. I'm out on this
0: one, Duke, because I think he will surface in New England. So I think New England stinks.
1: Even with uh, whoever their new quarterback's going to be? Yes, I do. Yeah, they're not. They're not good. They're, they're not going to be good enough. So, uh,
0: what was the uh, over/under on the wins? Well, how many was it? Six? No, uh, so for the, six for this, year. this year's Titans. Yeah, six. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd go under. I'll say five. So, I just think I'm. I'm banking. I'm counting uh, on him going to New England. That's where I think he will surface if he surfaces at all. Uh, maybe he takes some time off. Who knows? But I'll say I am out on this. They will not have more wins than the Titans.
2: Well, I hate to be boring on ah. this one, but I'm with you, Kev. Um, I don't think he's going to sign anywhere on a good team. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, six wins. I Yeah, I mean, I'm mean, i out. I'm out on this one, too. Because,
1: like, keep in mind, the Titans are also terrible. And I think their win total this year was buoyed by the fact they were still coached by Mike Vrabel, who, in my opinion, is one of the best coaches in the league. And, and we had this on... Earlier this year, I can't remember when, how far back it was, but in the midst of the Titans having a bad season, I said Vrabel would have more success wherever he goes after his time in Tennessee. And this is a guy who's been to an AFC championship game as a head coach already. Like, I think the Titans might be a bottom three team in the league next year, depending on how much growth Will Levis has. And I guess who they bring in is their new head coach. But, like, I'm not high on the Titans at all um, in a division that is kind of on the up and up now with uh, what we've seen from the Texans and Colts this year. Uh, the Jags hopefully bounce back. So, yeah, I think the Titans... Um, mm-hmm. Even if it's with the Patriots, I think their win totals will be pretty comparable. Okay, uh, comparable no, you, you talked season. me into
2: it, Duke. I changed my answer. <laughs> I mean, you got the football show.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it shows uh, shows how much I know, uh, despite hosting that. Uh, I'm I'm wrong so 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 much. Um, coaches getting fired up. We heard. Uh, Connor McDavid and Chris Knobloch talk a little bit about the over or the uh, offside call mm-hmm. and their disagreement with it. But the bigger story was uh, Raptors head coach Darko uh, Rajkovic Rajkovic um absolutely laying into the media <laughs> uh, on uh, um, about the referees and the foul calls in the Raptors game against the Lakers last night. Um, in my opinion, I'm mm-hmm. saying this uh, acts like this. Galvanize a team when coaches stand up for their players and kind of have their back when talking to the media, whether it's against the league, referees, or maybe even the other team.
0: Pretty easy one, I think we're both going to be in on this. It's just, it's, it's just, it happens. It, it doesn't happen enough, probably because guys, you know, you know, you're going to get fined, you might be reprimanded somehow, but and we're going to. Did you hear Rayakovich? No, I didn't. Okay, so we'll play that again. It's worth playing again. We'll play it in the ten forty hour for Schlemmer. Or the 10:40 segment?
1: Uh, yeah, I think so. Why don't
0: we do that? Yeah, we'll, we'll, it's worth playing one more time. Yeah. Once we get you know through Steve Tasker and our our game of the day in the 10 o'clock hour, you'll go. This is unbelievable. This is it's one of the best ones. Yeah. That you can say last night. So okay. I, I just love it when coaches do this and go off the handle, and uh, especially when they can give it to the officials a little bit. So I'm in on this. It, it, it does bring a team together when you have their back.
2: Yeah, I'm a hundred percent in on this too. Um, I think coaches, you have to have a feel for the pulse of your team, and it, it's got to kind of be the right time to do it. Mm-hmm. But thinking about this, the most famous one I can think of was the uh, the Olympics when the Team Canada won, when Gretzky went out uh, into the media and kind of lost it after yes. Theron Flurry yeah. got the cross-check in the back, mm-hmm. and they just took off from there and mm-hmm. looked back. 2002. Yeah.
1: If coaches do it too much, it can does it does it lose it, off. does it lose its value Loses in terms of pushing the team? Yeah, it'll oh, lose 100%. its cash.
0: So you have to pick and choose your spots. But
2: I think players can tell when a coach doesn't command something. Yeah, yeah, if, right? if it's you genuine get or not. All over. Yeah. yeah,
0: and a, same thing. Officials, if they see this, they're going to go tired of this guy, then then it can work in the reverse.
1: Inversely on you, you betcha. Uh, And finally, steering away from the world of sports, uh, winter has finally arrived here in the capital region and mostly across the provinces. Lots of snow, temperatures dropping and in my uh, three hour trek from the West End (laughs) down to South South Edmonton and back yesterday afternoon uh, to obtain a driver's license in Alberta you have to be required to take your road test between December 1st and March 31st
0: you know i could go ahead schlimmer yeah 100 <laughs> percent
2: i love this after driving in here this morning <laughs> you got people going 60 clicks in the left I lane know. of the hen day like that's dangerous uh-huh. that's, that's just as dangerous as speeding so uh, i'm with you i think insurance rates might go up if you had all the new drivers whipping around doing driver's tests in those few months but
1: uh
0: I'm in. Might have to make an amendment on this, Duke, because December there was no snow on the roads here. Well, that's what, like, it's it's
1: it's tough <laughs> sure. because even, the, you know, we get really warm weather in March sometimes and can get a big melt and it's, like, perfect driving conditions. But that's the risk you take. Like, at least if you put... And I know this will never actually mm-hmm. happen. I'm speaking purely hypothetically, like you cap it at each end and just say, like, I mean, hey, if you're fortunate enough, this is the year you're going to renew your license or, or take your test, whether as a uh, uh, first-time driver, like 16 years old, or whatever the case. If you're lucky and you get perfect conditions on your December 15th road test, power to you. You you mm-hmm. slip through the system, <laughs> but like I think we'll catch more, catch it. more of the people that don't know what they're doing out there and can get a little more education and uh, like driver training, whatever the case, because. It is a disaster.
0: It's do you the- do it with flyers under your windshield, Duke?
1: <laughs> no, that, that, that's a nice positive. The weather turning? Don't have don't have lot loiterers no. wandering around sticking sales flyers yes. underneath my windshield wipers. You know, I had a buddy that get took him frozen on there. That would be my luck. A buddy,
0: Jigs Welke, took his driver's test back home, failed it three times. I think he got it on his fourth. On the on the second or third time, he. Uh, did not do his seatbelt up to start. <laughs> and is trying to do his seatbelt up while he's driving. Perfect. And the good instructor is, You've already failed. It's <laughs> it's te- you can't start without putting your seatbelt on, buddy. They had seatbelts back then. Oh yes, yeah. Not yeah. it uh, was uh they didn't have the the, the shoulder thing, just, just the, the lap belts. Just the lap belts. Oh yeah. Yeah, those are the well
1: the, the, I was gonna say, yeah, that'd be a little easier to try and sneak, I guess. Imagine <laughs> like yawning at the red light and reaching over, trying to grab it and pull it across.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, really looking forward to some good ones there, Duke, too. Uh, looking forward to our guest at the top of the hour, Steve Tasker, former NFLer and Buffalo Bills analyst. Uh, before that, time now for a Sports 1440 Update, brought to you by Snow Valley Ski Club. All runs and lifts are open and ready for family fun seven days a week. Visit snowvalley.ca for details. Here is the Duke.